Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. I want to hear from you. It's Facebook. It's Twitter. It is all the social media accounts. And it is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Do not forget the hashtag. That is S-G-N. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. Guys, I definitely want to hear from you. We have a huge show today. While the rest of the world sits back and they talk about Stanley Cup final odds and game by game and the NBA game by game. Look, the reality is this, and I've mentioned this many times before. The reality is these are tight lines. They're going to be the most scrutinized lines of the Stanley Cup NHL hockey season. They're going to be the most scrutinized lines of the NBA season. That's what they are. I hear all the time and in a sports broadcasting way I get it you do it for the conversation you do it for the uh, listenership you do it for the audience but in a sports betting world betting on games like this even giving advice to bet on games like this is counterproductive chances are most of these games are going to be right on the number very close to it or the line is going to be you know just right there so When we are looking at things to make money on, I'm going to go in a different direction here today. Because I hit about 75% this year in the NHL. It was the best season I've ever had. Two years running, I'm over 70%. The best two years I've ever had in my life. I'm not sure I'm going to bet a Stanley Cup Finals game. I'm not sure I can. Because the lines are so tight. And if they're not tight, well, there's a lot of value. Oh, yeah, well, you know what? Toronto, uh, you know, was eliminated. And they had my, you know, big lines. But, yeah, you can go back. Well, Tampa won game one. But you also almost had to lay two to one on a favorite in game one. It's easy to look back. So that's that. In the NBA, I always think totals are easier at this point. But you never know. Look at game four. Uh, of the Suns Clippers, and then look at game five. Everyone loaded up on Phoenix. Everyone went crazy on Phoenix. Phoenix loses the game. Phoenix lost that game without uh, without Kawhi Leonard. Phoenix lost that game without a, a lot of pieces. Everybody had the Suns. Suns, 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 Suns. Suns, they're going. Here we go. Just give them the award, and they lost that game. So these are tight lines. With that said, I do want to talk a little bit about hockey, and we're going to look back. I'm going to look back at the teams that were eliminated because of the odds that have come out for the 2021-22 Stanley Cup season. And I want to give you uh, the mindset of how you approach futures odds, especially when it comes to hockey. So before we move forward, let's just go backwards for a moment. And let's talk about the history, the historic, unbelievable history that was made by the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens, we went back all the way into the 80s, and they were the biggest underdogs to move on to the Stanley Cup. Before the series began, you could get them at plus 400 or more in some spots. After game one, plus 700 or more in some spots. I sat here on this station. I sat here in in anywhere you can hear me, and I said, I'm taking Montreal before the series. I'm taking Montreal after game one. And they won. Not because I was a prophet, but because I thought it was going to be a long series. I thought the series were going to, I thought it would go seven. And I thought if it's going to go seven, I got a great hedging opportunity. I didn't even need it. But when you go through the history of the lines in the Stanley Cup at semifinals and, and conference finals, it's the biggest line that we could find into the 80s. Okay. So this is historic in a sports betting world. It happens in hockey. It happens in hockey maybe more than any other sport where you get these big underdogs because you get that hot goalie, and this year it was Price. But let's talk about next year. 2021-2022 Stanley Cup odds have been posted. At the top of the heap, Colorado and Vegas are 5-1. to one. We'll get into that in a minute. Tampa Bay is 7-1. to one. Toronto, Carolina, 14-1. to one. Boston is 16-1. to one. Minnesota, Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, Montreal, 25 to 1. Rangers, Florida, Edmonton, Philly, 30 to 1. Dallas, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Calgary, 50 to 1. 
Vancouver, Nashville, LA 60 to 1, Jersey, Ottawa, Arizona, Anaheim, Chicago, San Jose, Columbus, and Seattle. We'll get into that. 100 to 1, and 200 to 1 odds, Buffalo and Detroit. The first thing that jumps out at me here, and this is just a laughing moment, is that the Seattle Kraken, cool jerseys, awesome logo, great name, the Seattle Kraken have exactly the same or better odds than Buffalo, Detroit, Columbus, San Jose, Chicago, Anaheim, Arizona, Ottawa, and Jersey. A team that does not exist. I can't say it loud enough. This team doesn't exist. They have no players on the team. You have no idea the players on the team. And they're just like, yeah, we're going to give them the same odds as uh, teams that we know the players because their players are worse than having no players. Basically, what they're saying is Buffalo and Detroit's players are two times as bad as having no players. So if Buffalo and Detroit fielded no team, yeah, they, they actually would lose. <laughs> This is ridiculous. But look, on a sports betting format, Detroit, Buffalo, you, you can't touch. You just can't. You can't touch those two teams. I don't care. Well, it's a long shot. No. And you're not going near Seattle. Because as much as the NHL skewed Vegas to win and they fixed the rules and they gave them a winner, they still haven't even won. So I don't think that the rules are going to be as skewed for Seattle. San Jose, Columbus, Chicago, Anaheim, Arizona, Ottawa, all no way. Jersey, they have good things coming up through the pipeline, but you're not, you're not, even at 100 to 1, I'm not taking them. Even in a hedging opportunity, I'm not taking them. So we eliminate those teams right away. LA, Nashville, Vancouver. No, I don't see it. I mean, there's going to be some people that take a stab at Vancouver at 60 to 1. I think the Kings are in a bad way in a bad division. I think Vancouver is in a bad way in a tough division. At Nashville 60 to 1. You're going to see some money coming in on that. Nashville is becoming a a favorite kind of public team. Nashville is becoming a team that people enjoy to go out there and bet. They'll get a little bit of money, but I don't like it. And Nashville, look, Nashville's recent success might skew this a little bit. Nashville has recent success. Nashville has recent success that people are going to cling to, and they're going to go, well, you know what, if they make the playoffs, I can hedge this out. At 60-1, to they don't have that kind of success. And their team looked bad. They're going to lose some players. I I don't like that. 50-1. to 50-1 to gets interesting. Because could you see a 50-1 to winning it all? Probably not. Could you see a 50-1 to getting far enough to start playing a little hedge game? Yeah, you can. For those that are wondering out there, you may be new to the podcast. Hedging is when you have a great bet and then you hedge against it, which means you bet against yourself, meaning you you have to win money. Okay? So I had the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton took them to the, the Super Bowl. I gave out the Carolina Panthers. I had them at 41 to 1 odds before the year began. So let's just say I, I bet $1,000 on them. If they win, I win $41,000, right? So we get to the Super Bowl. And actually, all of a sudden, Denver's the underdog. So I started to hedge against them. I got plus 5,000, you know, five to one odds. And so if I'm betting $1,000, that's $5,000. So when the Super Bowl was being played, I had a chance I could either win $41,000 or I could win $5,000. That's hedging your bet. You can't lose. Okay. Poor example of of money management there uh, because it's not real. But (laughs) it was. It was a lot more. It was a lot more than $5,000. So... The 50 to 1, the 60 to 1, they're not going to win, but maybe you can hedge. Calgary, are they a hedging team? I saw some spark in them this year. I kind of liked what they were doing, but nah, not 50 to 1. St. Louis, you know, St. Louis uh, is living on, well, they they played really well and they won a couple of years ago. It's a changed team. A lot of guys gone from that team. I don't see them doing anything. Dallas, again, living on the bubble. Dallas is living on an idea that their goalie was insane. He was, to me, the best goalie in hockey that year. He was, you could say, two years running. I thought he was the best goalie in hockey two years running. Well, guess what happened to him last year or this season? He was benched. Benched. So I, I see nothing in Dallas. Winnipeg is a team I think people are going to dive into. Winnipeg got to the playoffs. Winnipeg played a little tough. I know they got swept out of the playoffs, but they played a little tough during the year. Winnipeg's a 50-to-1 shot that people are going to jump on top of here. I think that they, them and Nashville are going to be the big odds guys that people kind of 
throw a couple bucks at. And what are they going to throw? It's going to be the Canadian dude that's in Vegas for a weekend, and he's going to go, ah, you know what, I want 200 bucks at the craps table. Here you go, Calgary, 50 to 1. That's where a lot of that money's going to come in. So I think that number's going to go down. If you like Calgary, 50 to 1. If you like Winnipeg, I should say, at 50 to 1, get them now. But I don't like the bet. So those are bets that I don't like. Now we start getting into a betting situation where maybe I could buy in. I could buy into 31 odds. 30 to 1 odds are not ridiculous. Before the year began, the Islanders were 25 to 1. They went to a game 7 against Tampa Bay. Before the year began, the Montreal Canadiens were 25 to 1. They're in the Stanley Cup Finals. So 25 to 1 is not all that far off from 30 to 1. I can see 25 and 30 to 1 now starting to become a little bit of a moneymaker. Philadelphia at 30 to 1, I don't see it. I like their goalie. I like Hart. I like what they're doing. They don't have that guy, though. Okay? They don't have the guy that scares me. Uh, their team was lacking late in the year. They couldn't kind of get a goal. Garo looked terrible late. I, I don't like them. So Philly's gone at 30-1. to 1. The New York Rangers are building something interesting, and they're led by a good coach now. The Rangers hired a new coach in Gallant. I like Gallant as a coach. I like the Rangers' defense, and look, defense plays in the playoffs. Go ask the Islanders. Defense plays in the playoffs. I like them at 30-1, to 1, but the problem is what I see in front of them is a very tough division. I see a very tough road to get there. I see uh, exceedingly big question marks with their goaltending. I'm not sure that I could take a shot at them, but I'm not going to talk you completely out of it. Florida, Florida had the best record this year. Florida had a better record than Tampa. Florida has uh, a very good goalie that they went and spent a lot of money for last year. Florida at 30-1 to 1 makes some sense, guys. Florida 30 to 1 makes some sense. Edmonton at 30 to 1, I feel like maybe this is fool's gold. Because Edmonton has the big duo. They have the two. They have the MVP of the league. They have a lot of things working for them. Why don't I love them at 30 to 1? I was on on them this year, but I just see deficiencies. I just don't see them playing defense. I couldn't believe how bad they looked in the playoffs. I couldn't believe it. 30 to 1 is some pretty good odds. Why are they 30 to 1 when you know they're going to get some money? So I'm going to say no there. Then we go to 25 to 1. Washington and Pittsburgh are going to be 25 to 1 for the same reason because people go, okay, they have a star. Okay, they got a star player, clearly, Ovechkin and Crosby. They have um, some pretty good history, especially recent history. They have goaltending that you can believe in if Ross comes back. They have. Uh, some interesting things here that I like. But I think both of them are, are on the downside. I think both of them are are in the fall as opposed to lifting it back up. So I don't love him at 25 to 1. If you give him 50 to 1, I'm taking a shot. 40 to 1, maybe I'll take a shot. 25 to 1, I'm not taking a shot. Minnesota's an interesting team because they surprised Vegas and gave him a seven-game series. But now we look back and we go, what exactly is Vegas? Right? Eh, I don't know. What is Vegas? I'm not sure what Vegas is. So, Minnesota, maybe a little overrated. And then you got the Islanders of Montreal. Last year they were 25 to 1. Look at what they did. 25 to 1 for Montreal with three 21 year olds and price coming back is a steal. A steal. The Islanders, I talked to you, I said I was going to talk about fan base. I talked to you before, Tom, and I said fan base has been everything. When the Islanders were eliminated, the fan base said, okay, man, you know, we wish we would have won that game. It would have been great to win, but look at what we got coming back. They're young. They're hungry. They're well-coached. They have a good general manager. They have a good front office. There's a lot to like, a lot to like about the Islanders. And the fact that they lost one of their key players in Anders Lee before the year or during the year. He wasn't there during the playoff run. He wasn't there when they, they did all this. The Islanders are an intriguing team, but there are some negatives here. First of all, I don't love the goalie situation in New York, and neither can you. They didn't love it. They were switching back and forth. I don't love the goalie situation there. And I said that when Robin Leonard left town, I was like, this is going to be a mistake. I don't love the goalie situation. I think he can only take them so far. So far this year, though, it was Game 7 and almost getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they lost by a shorthanded one goal. They're also moving buildings. If I can sit back and talk to you about how great the barn is and how loud it is and how amazing it is, well, they're leaving that. I think it might have an effect. So I'm not on the Islanders at 25 to 1. Boston, 16 to 1. Carolina, Toronto, 14 to 1. Not on any of it. 
I think Carolina is fast, and that's all I say about it. Man, they're fast, they're fast, they're fast, they're fast, they're fast. It's kind of like a spread offense, right? You know, the air raid offense. Those were always fun teams. Houston Oilers, yeah, the Houston Oilers, they were a fun team with the the trio and the three amigos in Denver. They were a fun team. Throw it all over the place. Minnesota with Randy Moss, that, that was a fun team, right? Brad Johnson, they were a fun team, lots of scoring. But they weren't champions, none of them. Toronto and Carolina fall into that for me. Fun team, lots of scoring. You can throw Edmonton, too. Fun team, lots of scoring. Uh, it's going to be dangerous. They might knock off anybody. Oh, their style of play, they could knock off anyone. But at the end of the day, I don't see them being champions, and especially not at 14-1. to 1. You give me Toronto at 20-1, to 25-1, to 1, maybe I'll dip my toe in. Give me Carolina at 20-1, to 25-1, to 1, maybe I'll dip my toe in. But no, I don't love Boston either. I'll be honest with you, you know, RAS situation is up in the air, um, but even outside of that, I didn't like what I saw with what they did late in the year. They were very Jekyll and Hyde at times. I don't love them. Tampa Bay is 7-1 to is the smartest bet on the board. The problem is I'm not taking it. And I'm not taking it for reasons that have nothing to do with analytics. I'm not taking it for reasons that have anything to do with sports betting other than saying it is increasingly difficult in all sports and massively difficult in the state of the NHL today to climb the mountain three times in a row. The Tampa Bay Lightning would have to do that. And if you really want to say climb the mountain four times in a row, because they had the best record in the league, even though they were ousted in the first round and in a complete upset, it's climbing the mountain and being that good year after year after year after year after year. And it is hard to do it back to back. It is even harder to do it three times in a row. So seven to one odds, probably smart. I'm just not going to go near it. But if you want to say, look, Tom, they have a great defense coming back. Braden Point's just getting into his own. Vasilevsky's the best goaltender in the league. Tampa Bay is tremendous at home. They're bringing a lot of their core players back. I'm going to tell you, they are also $18 million over the cap. There's going to have to be a lot of room there. There's a problem there. I don't love it at 7-1, to one, although I understand it. Then you got Colorado and Vegas, and seemingly Colorado and Vegas are standing in their own way. Colorado's a team I would like to jump on. I saw McKinnon step up during the playoffs. I like Grubauer. My problem is I still need that complimentary piece. And go ask people that are casual hockey fans to name three players on Colorado, and they can't do it. After McKinnon and Grubauer, it gets a little thin. I still think McKinnon's going to be great. I still think Colorado is a team that is going to be maybe the best record in the sport. I think they're going to be that good. But at 5-1, to one, I'm not taking a shot on them. Then you got VGK. I mentioned the Islanders when they lost, and their fan base, and, and when VGK's fan base heard about their loss, what was the prevailing thought? It wasn't, all right, let's run this back, man. Yeah, we got beat. We're going to be back there next year. No, no, no. It was, who are we getting rid of? Who are we trading for? Bring in Jack Eichel, right? That was it. Oh, uh, trade for a superstar. Here we go. Mark Stone's the captain. Where was he? Did, did he even play in the series, right? I mean, that's the question. They're bringing back $12 million worth of goaltending. And now there is a legitimate goaltending controversy because Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the top three finalists to win goaltender of the year. But Robin Leonard started the last two games of the playoffs. So there is a, a controversy there. I don't like the coach. He decided to not make adjustments. I understand why the Vegas Golden Knights are 5-1 to one and leading the way. I understand it, but there's no way I'm betting it. And what we have to remember about Vegas is this. They have now been slapped with the label, the perennial losers. Look, the Buffalo Bills were a very good team. They're considered perennial losers. You know, the Denver Broncos in the Elway years, very good team. You get to the Super Bowl all those times, perennial losers. You go through the history of sports, Bobby Cox actually won one, and he's considered a perennial loser. But he actually did a lot of winning. The Vegas Golden Knights, they do a lot of winning. But at the end of their winning, always comes the inevitable loss. And how are you betting 5-1 to one on a team that you have the inevitable loss coming? By the way, Marc-Andre Fleury not getting any younger. So if there's two teams I'm taking a shot on, Florida at 30-1 to one is mighty tempting, guys. I, when you look at 31, I think everyone's going to jump on Edmonton. Florida at 30-1 to one is mighty tempting. And I may throw a couple of bucks on that just because, man, they are tempting. But how do we not give any credit to this Montreal team and what they're doing? We are still not giving any credit to Montreal 
Just look at it and be a realist when you look at what Montreal is. Montreal is a team with a good goalie who's standing on his head. Montreal is a team with three guys, 21 or under, that are hitting historic marks. Montreal at 25 to 1 odds. I think I'll be on that one as well. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more with Wagering Week right after this. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. What are the odds? What are the odds? Okay, guys, let's talk about it. What are the odds? Where will Damian Lillard be? And and that really is the big news in the NBA. Well, what are the odds? New York Knicks plus 250, Philadelphia 76ers plus 275, Miami Heat are 3 to 1, the Lakers 3 and a half to 1, the Clippers are 4 to 1 and the Boston Celtics 4 and a half to 1. That is what are the odds? Guys, you know I had to talk a little NBA, and talking about the NBA, weirdly, the Damian Lillard and where will he go shuffle is taking precedence over everything, even the finals. This is the story. This is it. I'm watching Milwaukee Bucks games playing in the Eastern Conference Finals and having a series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals and having a, a lead in the game in the series in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we're talking about Damian Lillard maybe going to Milwaukee. <laughs> right? I mean, it fits. By the way, he's not listed on those odds. Milwaukee fits. But I think when we start to talk about Damian Lillard, um, before we go into the odds of Damian Lillard, I think we have to talk about Damian Lillard, the player. I mentioned this on our Sports Garden show, uh, and I went over his stats, and I, I was I was stunned. Stunned about how absolutely consistent he is. You know a guy is a good player. I have defended Damian Lillard his entire career all the way going back to college, okay? I've been a big fan of his. He actually shares a birthday with me, if that means anything to anybody. Um, but he's a guy that I've I've consistently liked. But you tend to maybe underrate him. Maybe you underrate him out there in the basketball community because he plays in Portland, and it's late night games. And Portland's a sleepy little city and, and nobody on the East Coast seems to care about West Coast basketball. Whatever it might be. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's that he doesn't have a big mouth and he doesn't go on Twitter and he doesn't blast people and he doesn't have a hidden agenda. And maybe it's because he's a loyal guy and he's a nice guy. Whatever the reason, people underestimate Damian Lillard. I've said it for years and I'll say it again. Damian Lillard is easily, I don't know if I get pushback on this, easily one of the top 10 players in the league. I say he's a top five player in the league. And when I start to look at all of the things that he is and he does and he's been, I'm here to make an argument that Damian Lillard is the best player in basketball. Are you shocked? Are you taken back on that? Because you shouldn't be. When you take everything into account, right, and you take into everything that goes into being the best basketball player on the planet, you have to take everything into account. So I can poke holes in a lot of these other guys. I can poke holes in everybody. I cannot poke holes in Damian Lillard. So when you're talking about the best, okay, I'm not talking about people go, oh, well, one-on-one pickup game, Durant would have beat Michael Jordan. Is, is that real basketball? That's cool. Happy Gilmore. I watched him hit a 400 yards one time. Is he, is he better than uh, Arnold Palmer? Right? I mean, you know, it's a skill set. Gotcha. One-on-one. Gotcha. No, no, as an overall basketball player. And when you take basketball player, you're talking, okay, I'm starting an organization. I'm starting a team in this way. I'm trading for a guy to make my building block. I'm trading for a guy to be my star, my guy. Here we go. Damian Lillard's the best. There are better players at different spots, but he's the best guy. And let me tell you why. Basically, the prevailing thought is LeBron James is the best player in the game. Right? LeBron James, best player in the game. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay, that's what people talk about. But with LeBron James comes a guy that will turn 37 years old next year. It comes a guy that comes with quite a little bit of injury history, right? And certainly recent injury history. It comes a guy that 
is going to be a problem off the court. You just know it. He's he's drawn to attention. He's going to take the spotlight off of his other players. He's going to take the spotlight off the organization. It's going to be me, 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 me. And even if it works out, you make LeBron your building block. Here's our guy. We're going to give you LeBron. You're going to be the dude. You're going to be the guy. We love you. No problem. Here you go, LeBron. And you boost him up. He might win for you and then leave. And I go, yeah, I'm leaving you guys in the dust because that's what he does. Can I just take that, Gary, my producer? Can I cut that up? Just change the name to Kevin Durant and say exactly the same thing. Because, Do it. Right? I mean, isn't it the same exact thing? Kevin Durant. Pretty much, pretty much. An aging guy, can't stay healthy. If he wins for you, he's going to bolt teams. Always looking for the bigger, brighter thing. A little surly on Twitter. I mean, that's what you're getting with Kevin Durant. Is he a better one-on-one player than, than Damian Lillard? Yeah, probably. Am I building a team around Durant or Lillard? Give me Lillard. Giannis has absolutely shown that he could bring his team all the way here where they sit today. Giannis has also shown he's got some problems, right? I mean, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, right? I mean, he's got his problems, though. He is legitimately hack-a-shack now. We got to come up with something that rhymes with Giannis, okay? That means foul him at the end of the game. Giannis's name in Greek means foul him at the end of the game because he misses foul shots, okay? That's what it is. And he can't really hit a mid-range jumper, and he can't really hit the outside shot. So Giannis is a very good player. I've always, I've always said that. I'll take Dillard. I'll take Dame. Yeah, give me him. James Harden, do I have to say it? Right? Do I have to say that James Harden doesn't play defense? Plays plenty of offense. Doesn't play defense. Doesn't care to play defense. Might not even run back on the floor. And if James Harden is unhappy, he might ask out of town or, oh, wait, not ask force. Steph Curry might be the guy that that is is there. But Steph Curry is also a little one-dimensional. He's not the greatest defensive player. Lillard's better. He doesn't have any inside game at all. Lillard can. He doesn't really have that, I could put this team on my shoulders and take you to the promised land. Uh, He needs complimentary pieces. Dame kind of doesn't. Dame's taken Portland pretty far with no complimentary pieces. Steph was at his best when he had Clay. Joel Embiid can't stay on the floor. Big guy, nice guy. Dude dominates when he's out there, but he's never out there. Joker is playing a position like Embiid that is being phased out of the NBA. The, the position is simply being phased out. It's not that kind of inside game anymore. I don't know if a big man can lead a team to a championship. This is not the days of Olajuwon. This is not the days of Admiral Robinson, right? This is not even the days of Tim Duncan and Shaq. And throughout basketball history, we've gone through cycles where big men dominate and then they don't, right? You had Wilt, you had those guys out, Wilt and Jabaro dominating, and then came Magic and Bird. Okay, then you had Shaq and Olajuwon and Robinson, oh, dominating. And then it was the Curry kind of era. Well, we're in that era where the big men aren't dominating anymore. So I don't have a lot to say bad about Joker, but he's not Damian Lillard, who could do a lot of different things. So the closest comparison I would come to the best player to build a team around would be Luka. I think he's the best player in basketball skill-wise, but he is a little young, and that's the only negative I could say. So if you want to argue, Luca, I'm not going to give you that much pushback. But let me give you something more about Damian Lillard. And the consistency has to be included here. When I say Damian Lillard is the best guy to build a team around, I'm not just talking about Damian Lillard as the basketball player. I'm talking about what he brings. He makes people around him better. He has been, for his entire career and his college career, the guy on the court, the man to go to on the court. Even LeBron doesn't want to take the last shot because he's afraid he's going to miss. Damian Lillard... Give me the ball. Give me the ball and get out of my way. But he's not a ball hawk. For his career, listen to this consistency. I'll give you 2021 season and his career. For his career, he's about 25 point per game scorer. This year is 29. Pretty consistent. Not as consistent as his rebounds per game. 4.2 for his career, 4.2 this year. That's his that's his numbers. Seven and a half assists per game this year. About seven for his career. That's what he averages. 45% shooting this year, 44 for his career. 39% free throw, uh, three-point shooting this year, that 38, one percentage point difference. 
93% free throw shooter, 90 for his career is actually getting better. 55% field goal percentage, 52 for his career. Massively consistent. But the consistent thing that I love the best about him is this. Go back to when he was a 22-year-old pup. 82 games, 82 games, 82 games. 75, 75, 73, 80. Strike shortened 66, well, COVID shortened, I should say, 66. This year, shortened 67. How about minutes? 38, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36 and a half, 37 and a half, 36. You know what you're getting from Damian Lillard. You're getting a guy that won't disrupt your locker room. You're getting a guy that is going to give you 36 minutes a night. You're getting a guy that's going to play just about every single game. He might take five, six games off. You're getting a guy that is coming every single day. Here he is. Damian Lillard is there. That is a peace of mind. So now let's go back to the odds. And the odds have to be looked at with who are you giving up this consistency, the face of your franchise for? I don't know if Portland is really in a tough spot. I don't know if Portland's really ready to trade him, but they're going to have to. And they're going to have to after the Olympics because all the Olympics are this year is a recruiting trip because of COVID and everything else. The players are going to only hang out with the players. So when the players go out, they're going to hang out with the other players. They're going to stay a close-knit group because you don't want to go out, uh, somebody cough on you and you come back and then you miss games. It's just not going to happen. It's in their heads. They're going to practice with each other. There's going to be more camaraderie. And what do they do? They recruit, they recruit, they recruit, they recruit, they recruit. AD is a Laker because LeBron recruited. The Nets have that super team because Durant recruited. Hey, Harden, come here. Oh, good, recruit. Oh, Blake Griffin, come here. Oh, good, we recruited you. Kyrie, come with me. Okay, we're good. It's recruiting and recruiting and recruiting. They're going to be endless with him. And Damian Lillard has never been recruited like that. He didn't go to Kentucky or Kansas or North Carolina or Duke. He wasn't highly recruited like that. He was never a free agent, so he didn't get to travel the country and have the steaks and lobsters and all the fine dining. He didn't get that. This is the closest thing to recruiting Damian Lillard will ever have. But Damian Lillard is in a spot where he has to pick the team and hope Portland trades him to that team. So they have to be in unison. When you're talking about unison, let's talk about the odds. Because Milwaukee is not listed on these odds. Don't worry, that happens a lot. We, we often see where a, a guy isn't listed. Julio Jones had 12 teams listed, and the Tennessee Titans was not one of them. Right? So the sports books do this because they can get more money. <laughs> the sports books do this because if you take a team that's not listed, if you think he's really going to Milwaukee, well, you're not betting it. You might bet on somebody else, and then you throw yours out, and then he goes to Milwaukee, and you lost money. So they're not going to give every team. So that means somebody's going to win in this spot. Nobody wins, right? Julio Jones, nobody cashed in. Nobody. Because there wasn't, hey, none of these 12 teams, and there wasn't the Titans up there, so nobody cashed in. Let's look at the odds. Knicks plus 250, Sixers 275, Miami 3-1, Lakers 350, 4-1 for the Clippers, 4.5 to the Celtics. We'll start with the Knicks. The Knicks are plus 250 here, and I think it's a terrible bet. They're leading the way, and I think it's a terrible bet. Now, can Damian Lillard get to New York? Maybe. I don't see the travel plans to get him there. And I'm not talking about planes, trains, and automobiles here, I, or subways for New York. No, I'm talking about what the Knicks would have to give up. I just don't see the path for it. Now, I wrote an article pushing the Knicks and saying, Knicks, go get him. Get him here. Give up the future. Do what you have to do. Go crazy. Here you go. New York Knicks. But a lot of that is the New York Knicks mentality of we could go get him. When LeBron James was a free agent and the first time when he made his decision to take his talents to South Beach— the talk of the town for months was he's coming to New York. LeBron in New York revitalized the garden. He's going to take over New York. He's going to have a giant poster up uh, in Times Square. Remember Joey Harrington, right? That's what it's going to be. LeBron James, LeBron takes New York. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. He didn't go there. He went to Miami. And then, oh, by the way, this happened again when he was going to go to the Lakers. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Oh, he went to L.A. Then it was Kevin Durant. He's coming to New York. Here he comes. Well, he did come to New York, but he went to Brooklyn. Right? He didn't come to the Knicks. The Knicks have lost a lot of that appeal. We heard about Giannis. No way Giannis is staying in Milwaukee. No, well, he did. He didn't choose the Knicks. So I think a lot of the plus 250 of people wanting Damian Lillard to go to the Knicks, not because they think he'll go to the Knicks. And I don't know if the Knicks have anything, I mean anything, to be tempting to give. Doesn't seem to me that they do. 
We go to the Miami Heat, 3-1 to one odds. Again, another very good situation. Damian Lillard will not hold a press conference and say, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. But you look at the South Beach roster, <laughs> and you go, who are they giving up? You know, him running with Butler looks good, and, and Bam and all that. Yeah, that looks fun. Who are they giving up? Who can you dangle? If you start dangling, guys, it's going to be a weird situation in Miami because they're not going to be able to offer enough. The Lakers are in a similar position. Be of all pie-eyed that you want. And tell me that LeBron's the greatest recruiter in history, right? Outside of Coach K, it's LeBron, right? He's going to be amazing. And he they need it. And Dame, he's going to look at the Lakers and go, I could play with LeBron and AD for one year. We might win that championship. We might get that one. But he's also going to go, you know, LeBron kind of checked out this year. AD's constantly injured. And, and again, now you go to the front office and you go, okay, look, I want to go to the Lakers. And they go, and who the hell are they going to give us back? They have nobody. Where's Caruso going? Is that is that going to be the highlight of it? Come on. Same thing with the Clippers. Playing with George and Kawhi? Oh, that sounds pretty good. Who are you giving me? Because I'm asking for George or Kawhi. Maybe both. I mean, that's what I'm saying if I'm Portland. So again, there's a non-starter there. It's a non-starting point. Leaves us with two teams. The two teams that I think should have the best odds. The Boston Celtics has plus 450. And the Philadelphia 76ers, plus 275. The Celtics make a lot of sense. It's a new coaching regime. Brad Stevens comes in, and he's going to be in the front office. You know he wants to make a, a big move. You know he wants to go out there and say, okay, look at what we're going to do. The problem with the Celtics here is I'm finding a hard time finding who they would start the conversations with. Because they just traded Kemba Walker, who I thought was the guy they could start the conversation with. So now are you starting the conversation with Jason Tatum? No, they're not going to give up Tatum for anybody. Are you starting the conversation with Al Horford? If you are, I'm laughing you out of the room if I'm Portland. Are you starting the conversation with Jalen Brown? Okay, I might be listening. Are you starting the conversation with Marcus Smart? Probably need a lot more. So I'm looking at their roster and I'm going, does a Jalen Brown and maybe a first-round pick, two firsts, does that get it done? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it gets it done. But I don't mind throwing the Celtics' uh, name in the ring. So the last team that we go to here is the team that I think has the biggest bargaining chip, and we all know it. That's the Philadelphia 76ers. The minute the Philadelphia Sixers pick up the phone and they ask about Damian Lillard, the first word out of Portland's mouth is Ben Simmons. And Philly's more than happy to go out there and oblige that, right? Ben Simmons? Sure, no problem. Here you go. I don't think they have any issues going out there and giving up Ben Simmons for him. And if you're Portland, look, you're going to lose Damian Lillard, and that stinks, right? And that's not a good situation. But you get Ben Simmons back. And Ben Simmons has immense upside working with the right coach. Remember, as much as Portland doesn't want to trade Damian Lillard, they didn't even come to him about Chauncey Billups and the hiring. They didn't even ask him. So now you go to Chauncey Billups and go, can you do something with Ben Simmons? Is there any way you could work with Ben Simmons? And I think Chauncey Billups is going, oh, yeah, I can. Oh, absolutely. So give me Ben Simmons and more for Dame. And that's why the 275 there starts to look a little appealing. The Sixers make a lot of sense. From a Sixers standpoint, you know what? Simmons and Embiid didn't work. But can Lillard and Embiid work? Oh, I think so. And you also look at the state of the East. Brooklyn, obviously, is going to be Brooklyn, but they they got their injury problems. I think Milwaukee is always going to be a Milwaukee team. But if you got Embiid and Lillard against Middleton and Giannis, you got to like your shots if you're Philly. The rest of the East is still very winnable at this point, even with Atlanta up and coming. To me, if you're going out there and you're making a bet, I wouldn't talk you out of the Celtics plus 450. But really, plus 275 with Philly makes a lot of sense. I think the Knicks are a terrible bet. I'm hoping that he goes somewhere where, you know, it is going to give Dame a shot to highlight himself and to make my statement that he's the most valuable piece right now to build a team around. 30 years old, massive consistency can take a team on his shoulders. I'm building around Dame. I wonder what team is going to go out there and build around Dame. But again, we have a long offseason, so that's into the future. Now let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. All right, guys, bet to the future. How about Max Scherzer? Where is he going to land? The 2022 team odds, right? Look, he's a free agent. So we're all talking about trading Max Scherzer and where is he going to go. But wait a minute. 
Patina trades from may not keep him. So here are the odds for where will Max Scherzer be in 2022. Washington Nationals minus 130. The New York Yankees plus 400. Boston Red Sox plus 750. Toronto Blue Jays plus 750. And the Atlanta Braves plus 850. And that is bet to the future. You know, it is pretty funny. You, you often see this and... So many times, I picked this example for the bet to the future today because I wanted a, a little learning example for you new bettors out there. So many times I see people making bets where they have no idea what they're doing. I, and it's just reading comprehension. I hate to be like that, but it is. When this Max Scherzer was posted on Twitter, and I posted this out on Twitter, you know how many responses were... I think he's getting traded here. I think he's getting traded there. And I think he's going to, oh, oh, he'll get traded there. And it, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Who said traded anywhere? Because this says 2022 odds, not 2021. There's a very good chance that Max Scherzer gets traded and the team he's traded to doesn't re-sign him. We see that happen with Milwaukee time and time again, right? It's Granky, Sabathia, go on. I mean, it happens with these lower teams. And this year, I'm sitting down and I'm looking at the landscape of Major League Baseball from a trading aspect. And I'm looking at the landscape of Major League Baseball from a trading aspect, and I'm saying, okay, who are teams that want Max Scherzer? Okay, let's put everyone's name in the, in the group, right? Oh, right, obviously. But who are teams that might trade for him? Yeah, I agree that Boston might make a trade for him. The Yankees might want to trade for him. Sure. You know, uh, maybe Milwaukee is a team that will trade for him. Yeah, I could believe that. San Francisco maybe trades from. Oh, yeah. But if he goes to Milwaukee or San Francisco, isn't that a rental? I don't think they're signing him to a big-time contract, right? I don't see that. So I start to now break it down, and we're looking at the odds, and I, I go, all right, 2022, does Washington bring him back? I can see that. And they should be the favorites. They should be the favorites because even if he goes, look, he might go to another team like a, a Chapman kind of situation, right? He might go to that team, give him the playoff run, and then come back to Washington. Washington wants Max Scherzer to be a Washington national for life for a lot more reasons than just he's a good baseball player right now. Max Scherzer's going to the Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers of this generation. No one's going to argue that. Max Scherzer started his career with the Detroit Tigers. He's ending his career with the Washington Nationals. They want him to wear the Nationals hat. And I think it's obvious for all of us to say, sure, he's definitely going to wear the Nationals hat because he won a championship there. Yeah, but you know what? When guys don't get re-signed and then they're traded away, uh, sometimes there's bad feelings. You just don't know how that's going to end. You just don't know. I, I mean, there could be that animosity. There could be there that uh-oh moment. There, there could be that. We all thought Washington Nationals... And Bryce Harper's wearing that hat to Cooperstown. Well, I don't think so anymore. I don't think he's going to Cooperstown, but I don't think so anymore. So Washington should be the favorite, but I, I wouldn't be betting on it. The Yankees are plus 400. Guys, this is a bad bet. Because the Yankees might trade for Max Scherzer this year. Maybe. But the Yankees have said time and time again, we are trying to get under the salary cap threshold. We're trying to get under the threshold. We don't want to go over the salary cap. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. Well, getting Max Scherzer, an aging veteran pitcher, throwing him onto this staff, it's not going to be a good spot. I don't think the Yankees at 4-1 is a good spot at all. Boston Red Sox plus 750. No, again, a bad spot for them. You know, maybe he would go there. But now you're hoping that his arm doesn't fall off later on in his career here. And you're hoping that Chris Sale comes back and he's okay. Atlanta Braves, Atlanta needs some help. Now with the Mike Soroka deal going down, and Mike Soroka, by the way, people that don't know, is going to need another surgery. Uh, this might be career-ending for him, hopefully not. But Atlanta clearly needs some pieces here. But I also know that they're a young team with a young staff coming up and Ian Anderson and whatnot. I don't know if they're best suited to spend their money on just Max Scherzer. They have the Toronto Blue Jays at plus 750. I've said all along I think Toronto is a ace pitcher away, and no offense to Ryu, but they are an ace pitcher away from making me extremely nervous. As a Yankee fan, yeah, they are. They're about four or five games over 500 right now without that guy. Toronto can go out, sign Max Scherzer, make Ryu your number two. They have guys like Pearson coming up through the ranks. They have uh, some—Manoa uh, is there now. 
Toronto could become a powerhouse. They already have that powerhouse offense. But would Max Scherzer want to go to Toronto, be in that position? I'm not sure. So let's start looking at the teams that were not listed there, okay? The teams that are not listed there that I think would take a shot at him and be able to pay him for 2022. I am not talking about trades this year. 2022, you know, the Houston Astros are a team that take shots. And I just talked about, uh, you know, the Astros, and I've spoken about them with all of their young arms. And they got three guys that I think are going to hit innings limits, uh, Valdez, Urquidy that is going to be worrisome. They are very prone to being the team that takes these aging veterans and and squeezes every little bit out of them. Justin Verlander, uh, Zach Granke, and they're going to lose Justin Verlander's big contract after this year when Justin Verlander might be going back to Detroit. Who knows? But they're going to lose that money. Houston Astros makes a lot of sense. They're not listed. Maybe they're not listed for a reason, but the Astros make a lot of sense. The Los Angeles Angels have endless money. They have pockets and pockets and pockets. For some reason, they have an aversion to just spending on a starting pitcher. You put Max Scherzer at the top of a rotation. You move Otani as a number two with an offense that has Trout, Otani, Rendon, Adele, Upton. Let me keep going. Walsh. All of a sudden, the Angels are a player. So Houston and the Angels are two teams that I'm going, yeah, I wish they were listed because I think they could be into it. You then go down the line a little bit. Milwaukee for 2021, maybe, but not for 2022. The Cubs aren't going to spend for 2021 or 2022, it seems. Reds are probably going to be sellers rather than buyers. You go San Francisco, nah, they might buy buy him this year, but they're not spending big money on him. The Dodgers aren't going to spend on Max Scherzer. It seems good for this year. They're not going to go out and they'll dole him a huge contract, especially with guys coming up that you go, oh, we're going to have to pay Bellinger soon. We're going to have to pay Walker soon. No, that's not going to happen. San Diego might take the shot, but San Diego, they have made aggressive moves, but they've never really thrown their hat completely into the ring. The St. Louis Cardinals, though, might. So... The Cardinals is where he's from. He grew up a Cardinals fan. Scherzer kind of wants to go there. You might say to yourself now, Tom, the Cardinals are under 500 right now. They've had a miserable season according to their standards. The Cardinals are a team that you look at and you go, you know, I thought they were going to be okay. They could still maybe climb into this, but they're not doing big things this year. I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about Max Scherzer having his pick of any team he wants to go to. And Max Scherzer saying, if you come in with a competitive offer, I'm going to choose you over you. Winning has to be paramount for Max Scherzer because that's the competitive guy he is. But let's be honest, he's got a ring. He's already got one. So is it winning that he's looking for? Uh, You often say sure. Is it money he's looking for? Of course. But I think Max Scherzer will sacrifice winning a championship, will sacrifice being in the hunt with a chance to for a little bit of money. I think he wants to get back. I think he wants to be there. So if he's willing to sacrifice that for a little bit of money, would he be willing to go to St. Louis? His hometown team, the team that he absolutely rooted for, the tremendous fan base there, and a team that definitely has some potential. That central is a winnable division next year as well as this year. You look at him with a Jack Flaherty as a 1-2, all of a sudden it becomes even better. St. Louis is a well-run organization, good fan base, good stadium, winnable division. They have everything that he wants, and it's a hometown discount. So I think that Houston might take the chance here. They're going to have money to spend. Houston's got to be a player in all of this. But I'm looking at the odds, and I'm seeing Yankees, I don't think they're a player. I don't think the Yankees are going out there. Not next year. I don't think Boston's spending that money next year. I don't think Atlanta's spending that money next year. If I'm setting the odds, guys, I got Houston at about 8 or 9 to 1. I got Toronto. I like them at 7.5 to 1. Sure, I'll put that. I have the Angels at about 7 to 1 because I think they know we cannot roll this back another year. We cannot go back another season with no Pitching. Dylan Bundy and his nine ERA throwing up on the mound is our ace of our staff. We can't do it. Or wait a minute, the DH is the ace of our staff. The Angels know they can't do it. So I'll set them at a decent seven to one odds. But guys, if I'm setting the odds, 
Forget about the Yankees at four to one. They're they're eight to one or more. Forget about the Red Sox at seven and a half to one. They're nine to one or more. The Braves are ten to one or more. I'd still have the Nationals at about even money, but I got the St. Louis Cardinals at four to one. And I might be making a bet on that if somebody gave me four to one odds on it. I think the Cardinals have a lot of what Max Scherzer wants. I don't know if they trade for him this year, but I certainly think that they would want Max Scherzer and, and they'd be willing to sign that contract. They'd be willing to go out and dole out the money that Max Scherzer is going to ask for. So there is two areas to bet here. Area number one, to go out there and make a bet. Guys, I truly do believe that Max Scherzer will be dealt this season. I think that Max Scherzer is almost an inevitable to be dealt this season. But I don't know if this team he's dealt to is going to be the team that you turn around and you go, ah, that's who he's staying with. All right, guys, real quick before we get out of here, I do want to bring up one point, and this was written by somebody we've had on the show before, Travis Sorchik, good friend of the show, and he was talking about how pitchers are adjusting to baseball sticky stuff crackdown. Um, you guys can go find it on Twitter. Basically, the the spin rates have declined across the board. They've declined early when the crackdown was coming. Then they declined a little bit more. But generally speaking, it's really not that much. It's really not that much. You know, you're talking about velocity. Velocity is exactly down, is exactly the same. 93.6, 93.6, 93.8. Okay? Velocity hasn't moved at all. So... There is no, the sticky stuff crackdown hasn't moved velocity at all. The spin rate has gone down, but it's not drastic. You know, I think people are making way too much. Oh, it's gone down. It's gone down. Yeah, it's gone down from about 2,300 and change spin rate to about 2,270 or so. It's gone down, you know, less than 100, whatever you call it. What are you, you going to call it? Velocity per spin. Less than 100 spins per rotation, it's gone down less than 100. When you're talking about numbers into the, the mid-2200, 2300s, whatever it is, it's less than 100. So the crackdown is out there. Everyone's getting checked. People are being suspended. People are dropping their drawers, man. It's out there. Everyone's uh, uh, you know, out there checking on it. And, oh, well, you know, Garrett Cole, ever since the, the, the spin rate, yeah, but his spin rate hasn't gone down that much. None of the spin rates have gone down that much. So... I wanted to point that out. I do think scoring is going to go up. I do think this is eventually going to hurt pitchers. I agree. It's not a good thing. I agree with Tyler Glass now. We've gone over it. But so far in the early going, spin rate has gone down. Not that much. Velocity has not changed one single iota. My last point before walking out the door here, what a complete moron. The, the umpiring crew, or should I blame the man in charge, is... They actually checked the spin rate for a knuckleballer. The entire point of spin rate is to get more spin on the ball. The entire point of throwing a knuckleball is to get at least amount of spin on a ball you could possibly do. Your whole objective in throwing a knuckleball is don't put spin on the ball. They checked him. They checked him. This is the idiocy that is leading the charge of Major League Baseball. All right, guys, enjoy your week. Enjoy your 4th of July, Independence Day, everybody. It's a great month to celebrate America. Nope, don't, don't, don't just do it this weekend. Enjoy the whole month. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.